Therefore I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. This is Jonathan Smith, and welcome to the In His Grip radio broadcast. Join me for the next few minutes for old-fashioned singing and preaching. When you think you're about to lose grip on faith and life, remember this, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good afternoon, listeners. It's good to be back this afternoon. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter 26. Before we get into the message this afternoon, I'd like to play this song that a friend of mine, Mark Wheeler, uh, he wrote this song, and in my opinion, he does the best job singing it. Hope you enjoy this song. It's called It's Different Now.
final place Just to save by grace It's heaven fair And the Lord is there My race is through Sin is too So I'll do that And oh, it's different different now It's different now It's different now Amen it is different now no doubt about it Matthew chapter number 26 we begin reading in verse number 31, Matthew 26, verse 31. Then Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you in a Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And before we get into the message this afternoon, I want to look at some things about Peter. We find that he became a disciple. He was part, if you will, of the inner circle with Jesus Christ. We find that Peter was part of the healing in with his mother-in-law. We also find account in scriptures where he cast his net and caught many fish. We also see that uh, Peter was one of those that he witnessed a young girl raised from the dead. We also find in scripture that outside of Jesus Christ, Peter was the only one that was that physically was able to walk on the water. We see that Peter, he pronounced the deity of Christ, and I quote, this is what Peter said, Thou art Christ, Son of the living God. So we see that uh, Jesus said that the church would be built upon him. I ain't got time to get into that this afternoon. But we see uh, that Peter was rebuked of the Lord for telling them that he would have to die. Peter witnessed Jesus, Moses, and Elijah on the mountain. So we can see that Peter's not a fly-by-night Christian. We've heard a lot of people say, well, I'll be with you, preacher, until the end, and they've turned their backs on you. Or we see people say, well, I'll always be there for you. You can count on me, and they're gone. There's a lot of people that'll say that, but this, we see that Peter, he's been around for a while. He has seen many things. He has done many things, and no doubt he sees Jesus in a disparate, different aspect, even better than you and I uh, experience Jesus Christ today. But then we come to our text in Matthew 26, where Peter, no doubt a disciple, no doubt a great man, but he was backslidden 
on the inside. And that's what I want to preach about this afternoon is being backslidden on the inside. He had not given all of himself to Christ just yet. He is his own worst enemy. And you say, where do you see that? I'm glad you asked. We're going to go down through these next few verses, and we're going to see some clues in the passage here where we uh, were able to, to visualize how Peter got to the place to realize that he was backslidden in his heart. First of all, we see in verses 31 through 35 where he said, Though all men uh, forsake thee, I will never leave you. He says, I will never be offended. It, that's a stout, uh, a, a very strong statement to make, if you will. And you say, what does that mean? When people get to the place in their Christian lives and they get conceited in their desires, that is one of the first signals that a person is backslidden inside in their heart. We find here that Peter thought that he was better than the rest. He said, though all men are going to be offended, he says, I'm not. He said, if everybody would leave you, I'm going to be standing here. He thought that he was better than everyone else around him. When we look at the verses here, he says this, and Jesus actually rebukes him and says in verse 34, Verily I say unto thee that this night... Not, not in the future, not, not, not down the road. Jesus was very clear. He said, This night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. Here's what Peter does. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Now it's interesting. All the disciples are now on board, and, and they're going along with Peter. But Peter's the one doing a talking here, and he says, I'm not going to be offended. Jesus turns around, and he says, Hey, you are going to deny me three times this night. And Peter goes on, and he argues with him. Isn't it interesting that sometimes when we think that we have uh, arrived, at, or we think that we have got to the place where we think that we're more spiritual than anyone else around, Around us that we're even so conceited in our desires that we'll begin to argue with God himself. That's a very dangerous place to be at. And we find that Peter was backslidden on the inside. He hasn't seen it yet. God has already tried to point it out, but yet Peter is like, nope, not me. He said, maybe anybody else, but not me. You ever met anybody like that? Or let me get a little more personal. Have you ever been like that? I can say that I've been there. I have been knocked off the ladder once or twice in my spiritual life. But you know what? If we're not careful, we'll find that we get conceited in our desires. We'll think that we're better than everyone else. We'll begin to argue with God. And all God's trying to do is point out to us that we're not as spiritual as we think. Or maybe we haven't fully dedicated ourselves the way we should. We'll get to that in just a minute. Second of all, we see that Peter, he was careless in his uh, devotions. We find this in verses 36 uh, through 46. Then Jesus cometh uh, with him into a place called Gethsemane, and he said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And then in verse 38, he says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch 
with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And this is interesting in verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter. He didn't talk to anybody else. He talked to that Mr. Conceited man. He says, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away the second time, and God prayed again, and he came back to them, and they were asleep again. And Jesus looks at him in verse 45 says, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And what I find interesting is that Jesus goes away to pray for one hour. He comes back and Mr. Spiritual Man, Mr. Hey, I, I, though all men will be offended, though all men forsake thee, hey, I'll be right there with you, Jesus. And Jesus comes back and, and I can almost just see uh, uh, the, the look on Peter's face when, when, when Jesus comes back and he says, what? You can't even pray with me for one hour? And I can't help but wonder that, that Peter, he's still conceited. He, he's still so arrogant that, that he, he just, you know, he's, I can picture him just having an excuse. Uh, oh, well, I'm just tired. Or no, we're just uh, a sleepy and all this kind of stuff. But what I find interesting is that even after he's rebuked by Jesus himself, he, he didn't learn his lesson the first time. Jesus goes back to pray again. And guess what Peter does? He goes to sleep again. I don't know about you, but when you find somebody that gets so conceited in their desires and in their heart, they not only think they're better than everyone else, not only will they argue with God, but when God comes and points out the carelessness in your devotions, that they'll go right back to sleep. It's almost like, oh, that wasn't for me. That was for so-and-so. Yeah, preach, preacher. Yeah, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. Let me tell you, if they weren't there, it wasn't meant for them to hear it. If you are there, it was meant for you to hear it. Probably because you become so careless in your devotions and you're so conceited in your desires, you can't even see what God is trying to tell you. Then we go on and we find in verse number 47 and through verses 46, we find that Peter, he was carnal in his decisions. Now, people would say, well, wait a minute. If I'm spiritual and I'm conceited about how spiritual I am, there's no way I can make carnal decisions. Well, that's the thing. You're not as spiritual as you thought you was. you just conceited. you just become arrogant that you've become so on top of everybody else, you think you don't need to study as much as anybody else. You might think you don't need to pray as much as somebody else. And you'll find yourself making carnal decisions. We see in, in verse 47, Jesus, uh, Judas comes around and he brings everything around. And we, we find that in, in, uh, in verse 49, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them uh, which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Now we can look at the parallel gospels and we'll find that that person that drew his sword and cut the ear off of that soldier was Peter himself. And you say, well, wait a minute. Hey, that wasn't a carnal decision. He was trying to protect God. 
Well, if he'd have been listening to what God had been trying to say, it was God's will for all of this to happen. But see, Peter didn't realize that. See, he was conceited. He thought he knew everything. He argued with God. It didn't matter if God did try to tell him. He was going to argue with him. He couldn't even pray for, for, for one hour. And if he had stayed awake and listened to God pray, he would have realized what was about to happen. But because he was conceited and because he was careless, it brought him to this place where he was carnal and he was willing to to think he was doing something good but actually he was causing harm he harmed this man that was fulfilling god's will he acted against god's wishes making him heal an unnecessary injury now, what I find interesting here is that Jesus, if you'll look in verse 52, says, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? And he goes on, and we see that in the parallel passages and so forth, we find that Jesus healed this man from this injury. Now, what I'd like to point out to you in this is, in our carnal decisions, a lot of times we can do something we think is good, but is actually the perfect will of God. And I said that beginning in this point, that he harmed a man that was actually fulfilling God's will, his perfect plan. And he caused God to heal an unnecessary injury. Now, something that I've thought about in this passage, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong about this, but this is just my interpretation, if you will. This is just me uh, reading in between the lines. But I believe that when Jesus reached forth and he healed this man, I've heard preachers say this, well, well, God made another ear grow. Well, it's possible. I can't prove that. I can't disprove that. But let me ask you to think about this in a different light. Again, I, I could be right, I could be wrong, but I want you to think. Maybe God reached forth and touched the man's well, where the ear used to be, and he healed them, and he says, you know, maybe just stop the bleeding. Maybe it just became a, a, a scar, if you will. That way there was no risk of infection and so forth. Because in the Bible we find that Jesus heals, but we also find that Jesus makes whole. When you look at the ten that he healed from leprosy, only one came back to thank Jesus, and only that one was made whole. Now all ten were healed, but only one was made whole. So with that, I'm, I'm thinking here that Peter cut off this man's ear because of his carnal decisions. Now Jesus reaches up and he heals the man. And in my mind, I want to picture that for the rest of this man's life, people walk up and go, man, what happened to your ear? And he says, well, there was this idiotic, uh, short-tempered preacher that drew his sword and he cut my ear off. Well, that's a wonderful testimony. And especially if the man, if he had a chance to get saved later, did that keep him from getting saved? Did that, did that cause something for him not to want to be affiliated with God's people? Or maybe later when he got saved, that that was just something in his life that he would never forget. 
So if we're not careful, we will find that if we get conceited in our desires, we are a child of God, and, and we find that we think we're better than anybody else, we'll start to get careless in our devotions, we'll start to get carnal in our decisions to where we'll hurt people unintentionally, but we will hurt people that are doing exactly what God would have them to do. See, the, the fiery furnace, people say, oh, that's a bad thing. The, the fiery furnace wasn't for the three Hebrew children. They, they were going to stand regardless whether they lived or died. The fiery furnace was for those that were watching to be a testimony of their faith. It might very well be that the things that you are fighting carnally in your decisions might be exactly what what God wants to happen in your life, but you're too conceited, you're too careless, and you're too carnal to see that what is going on in your life right now is the perfect will of God. Then we come to uh, verse number 58. Very uh, known passage here that is quoted a lot. But Peter followed him afar off. See, when you first get conceited, the next step is to become careless. Then you'll become carnal, which leads to the next step is that you'll become casual in your dedication. See, he was following, but he wasn't following closely. When he, he, he followed when all the others fled, but yet he himself was keeping a distance. Yes, he might have been in an inner circle, but then he was without the circle. See, you can't follow God afar off and be in the inner circle at the same time. So what you'll find is that at first, you'll be close to God. You'll be in that inner circle. When Jesus sends the multitude away, he speaks to just those that he wants to have close fellowship with. But then you start to become careless. Then you'll start to become carnal. And you'll find yourself removing yourself from the inner circle to now where you are without the inner circle. When we go down to the rest of the passage here and the rest of the chapter, we'll find that he moves from the inner circle in the prayer, and we'll find that he was without it, following afar off. Then we'll find him being on the porch outside of where Jesus is being held until he was completely gone and completely outside. See, what you find in the Christian life is that without you realizing it, you will start distancing yourself from the Father, but in your mind, you're still within the inner circle. That's what happens when you are backslidden on, on the inside. You get conceited, then you become careless, you become carnal, and then you start becoming casual. And you will defend yourself by basically saying, well, I'm better than everybody else. Well, everybody else is beneath me. Well, at least I'm not doing like brother so-and-so. Well, at least I'm not doing like sister so-and-so. And we'll start finding excuses and we'll, we'll start to uh, justify. Again, now we're going back to that being conceited. We'll start pointing figures, uh, fingers and we'll use these other figures, if you will, as a means to justify that we are not backslidden. But all God's trying to do is to not point out what's wrong with them. God's trying to point out what's wrong with us. 
And in this case, we find that Peter was already predicted on what was going to happen. See, we find that he was conceited. We find that he was careless. We find that he was carnal. We find that he was casual. But then he became critical. You say, what do you mean being critical? When we find here in the passage that he gets to a place, he tries to fit in. And he tries to blend in with the crowd, if you will. If we look at Luke, uh, chapter number 22, I believe it is, uh, Luke 22, 55, and it says, And when, they, when he had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Let me read that again. Uh, it's in Luke 22, verse 55. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And then we look and we find that uh, the people try to say, Hey, you're one of them. Hey, you're one of the followers of Christ. Hey, you must be that man. And he starts denying until the place they push him to where he curses to try to prove a point. But let me tell you, my friend, I can speak from experience. There was a time that I got kind of a little bit bitter. There was a time that I, I, I never quit church. I never quit going to church. But, you, you know, I was there in body, but I was the furthest thing from it in the spirit. And you know what? I have found myself where I tried to fit in with the crowd. And no matter if you are truly a child of God. And in that time, I was dealing with a lot of things in my life. Uh, I, I, was, I was running uh, from the call of preach on my life. And I was just trying to do everything I could to just uh, not be called into the ministry. Not to be 100% sold out. Because I had a few issues in my life that I knew about, but no matter how much I tried to fit in, I always stuck out like a sore thumb. You want to know why? Because I was part of Him. So it doesn't matter how much you try to fit in with the world, you're always going to stick out. But then Peter, he heard something that God said. He heard the cock crow. Then, God didn't have to say anything to him. He didn't need this big elaborate speech. He didn't need this long message. Jesus just had to turn, and he had to look. And Peter wept bitterly. And you say, why? Because he had confronted who he really was. When we look at this... We can learn that, hey, we might not be as good as we think we are. Because sometimes God will say something, He'll warn us, we'll end up doing the very thing that we said we wouldn't do, but then a man of God will open up God's Word, and God will deal with us, and He's using that preacher as the, as the rooster, or, the, or, 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 the, or the, as the Scripture says, the cock, if you will, and he might be crowing, and God is putting His finger down in your heart saying, Hey, buddy, you're not as good as you think you are. But Peter, he faced restoration. See, God made him face the three denials by asking him if he loved him three times. That's just what I believe. But after Peter realized who he was, who God was, then God was able to use him like he's never used him before. Peter went fishing again, and the Lord had him cast their nets. And that's when Jesus dealt with him. 
After that, here's some things we find about Peter. He rushed to the grave to see that Jesus was no longer in the grave. Peter was the first of the disciples to see Jesus after the crucifixion. Peter was promised to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter becomes the leader, if you will, of the disciples. Peter, now he will preach with the power of God and thousands come to salvation. Peter heals the lame. Peter is able to confront sin in the house of God. Peter gives life to a dead girl. Peter preaches not only to the Jews, but now he preaches to the Gentiles. Peter was arrested and God released him. Then Peter was crucified, all because he was willing to face that he was backslid on the inside. We have now come to the end of our time today. I hope and pray that today's broadcast was a help and blessing to you. If you wish to contact me, you can email me at inhisgrip at inbox.com. Again, that is inhisgrip at inbox.com. But before I go, I just want to remind you one more time that you are in his grip. Isaiah 41:13 says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Join us at the same time next week for more old-fashioned singing and preaching. I am Jonathan Smith, and thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to the In His Grip radio broadcast.